Welcome to episode 13 of the Articulate Ox podcast, where artists talk about the art that made them artistic. My name is Soma79, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining us. My guest today is Pilsy Beats, and Pilsy is the man. I have known him for so long. Him and I have been in multiple groups together, Project Mayhem, Mike Monarchy. I guess it's just two, but two is still multiple. And he was a really kick-ass MC back in the day, came hard with the punchlines, and since then he's been focusing on music production. Him and I are working, have worked together recently on a couple of tracks with um, Columbus, um, Ohio, underground hip-hop legend copyright, and uh, Honest from the Boston area, who's another absolute beast of an MC. So we've got a couple songs that are already out, Seinfeld and Crown Me Now, we have some more that are still coming. And yeah, so Pilsy and I want Pilsy uh, came on wanted to talk about Bruce Lee, which um, you know we we I didn't know how much of because Pilsy's a hip hop producer I didn't know how much of, of Bruce Lee are actually going to talk during this during this conversation because obviously it's you know it's it's martial arts and he's a hip hop producer, but we really stuck to the subject for a lot of the conversation and you know it was a uh, it was a great talk so hope you enjoy it and thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Articulate Ox. Hey, this is Soma79, host of the Articulate Ox podcast. I'm here with my guest this week, my man, Pilsy Beats. What's going on, man? What's up, brother? How you doing? You know, I'm I'm living, you know what I mean? Just yeah. living this roller coaster of life. Yeah. So the world Pil- is banana land right now. <laughs> so Pilsy is a producer, former MC from the group that he and I were both in, Mike Monarchy, and I guess Project Mayhem also from back in the day. We're going back a long time ago. um now he's focusing on production and mixing and mastering he produced a few songs that we're working on together with um honest and copyright so uh pretty excited about that i think um at least a couple of them should be out by the time this is out crown me now and seinfeld so uh you can hear pilsy's beats on that and then uh dirty city records is also this thing he does with honest as well and that is all over the streaming services so check that shit out um appreciate it brother hey anytime um, so we are the topic you chose was Bruce Lee. I think you're the first person to choose a topic in a different medium than they actually work in, unless you're like, you know, kicking your beats into existence. But the um, which I thought was a very interesting conversation. So why don't you talk a little bit about uh, about yourself, about how you got into Bruce Lee and uh, we'll kick it off from there. Yeah, man. Uh, well, even like, I don't know, I think it's funny, too, because um yeah, you, you'd figure that I would pick something with like production or music, like, you know, my favorite producer or, you know what I mean? Like my favorite, you know, I don't know, like DJ or engineer, or, you know what I mean? Anything yeah. to do with that. And um, yeah, um, uh, I got I got introduced uh, to Bruce Lee movies when I was like, honestly, I don't even remember how old I was. I was real, real, real little. But uh, my uncle Richard, who I'm actually, my middle name is Richard. I'm named after my uncle Richard. Um, he he showed me Bruce Lee movies. Like we used to, me and my older brother would go sleep over his house when we were really little. And, you know, we'd eat popcorn and like lay on the floor and stuff. And he'd, he'd always put on old Kung Fu movies. And I remember, I'll never forget, he put on a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, I, I believe it was Game of Death. He put that on. And I just remember like, like just completely blown away i was like who is this dude dude just had so much swag and just like 
just mad charisma and just, you know, just everything he stood for was just like, so like just also him just be able to just destroy a room full of people. I was like, I want to do that. You know, I want to be, who doesn't want to be able to do that? So like that also got me into martial arts at a young age and stuff like, you know, like going to Kung Fu and things like that. And I became pretty obsessed with it when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, it was, it was really, really good for me because I got into trouble at school a lot. I always get into fights and stuff, you know, like I was always smaller than everybody else. And so, especially looking at somebody, Bruce Lee, not a big dude, you know, but I'd also, you know, most dudes in the room wouldn't mess with that guy. So like to to me, I was always like, that was so like intriguing to me to be like somebody, you know, not a, not a large man, but I'm sure anybody in the room would have been like, yeah, no, I'll I'll avoid that fight. Yeah. So like, to me, that was always so impressive. And I've uh, never really thought about pushing you around. I don't think it's a great idea. I'm saying what you're going to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, I'm saying like also growing up, everybody called me a ninja and stuff. And like, uh, that was definitely from like, Growing up doing kung fu and um you know what I mean, learning a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also remember years ago being at your house and seeing a tarantula. So I don't know if like you're gonna pull one of some of that shit out of your pocket or what. So <laughs> yeah, I'm saying you you never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, they gave me nightmares. Um <laughs> so um so how far did you really take the martial arts? Um, I actually I got super, super into it. I got like serious into it. Like um we uh, like our school used to I, I'll never forget, too. That's how I became such a uh, big fan of uh, MMA, ironically, is um, my kung fu school. We used to go to these like big expos or whatever, you know, our school, which like, you know, show our stuff. And like we went to some big expo and there was a bunch of other martial arts schools there um, or like just um, like kickboxing and boxing and karate and judo, or, you know jujitsu whatever and everybody uh was a giant expo and everybody was kind of showing off their school showing everybody what they got and people are sitting there kind of doing like you know forms or whatever you know what i mean just kind of showing you know what they're about and uh i'll never forget there was a little corner and it had a cage in it and the place was packed everybody was surrounded around the thing and uh and you know i was small i kind of wiggled my way through climb my way to the front and uh, it was pride and it was pride showing oh, off. Shit. It was pride showing off their stuff. They like, were around, around what year would this have been? Oh, this was, this was in the nineties. Uh, oh, this wow. Was like, this was like late nineties, um, early two thousands. That was back before they figured out that the goal was to choke each other out all the time. It was, it was like, yeah. it was, that was back when there was actually more styles class. Weren't they in a lot of the fights? Right. Well, cause back in the, uh, back then they didn't, um, they didn't really have like weight classes or anything like that. Like there was pretty much no rules, especially yeah. like even in pride particular, like they didn't have rules. You know what I mean? It was like, you could jump up uh, on two feet and jump on somebody's head if you wanted to. Like there yeah. was- It was a little more was... like Street Fighter, the video game. <laughs> right, yeah, It absolutely. was like some big, some big round dude versus some little skinny dude and they both had different skill sets, you know? Right, it was like some like real life Mortal Kombat stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and so like, I'll Still never is. forget though. I, I remember I wiggled my way through the crowd. I saw, you know, some big dude, you know, like, and, and some little dude and little dude you know beating the bag out of the you know the bigger dude and you know like they went to the floor a guy like you know threw him an arm bar like almost broke his arm and you know the guy was tiny and so everybody was like whoa like that was impressive it was the first time i really saw mixed martial arts like literally the 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 point of mixed martial arts is like your style versus my style yeah 
That's and, a good point because back then, that's really where that term came from. Was it was we we're mixing different types of martial arts, but now it's right. like they've all been mixed into this one sort of thing that most people do because it's, right. it's the thing that wins matches. The strategy, right. well, you know, that's well, a huge and, um, overgeneralization, but yeah. it was actually funny because I got into a fight with some kid, and I never argue with anybody. Like I never comment on YouTube videos or anything <laughs> like that. Like that's my know. my saying is you'll you can find me in a lot of places, but you never find me in the comment section. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the only the only I think the only time I've ever like commented to like get into an argument with somebody said uh somebody was like bruce lee uh bruce lee would have like you know gotten like killed in mixed martial arts nowadays and i go what are you talking about and i thought about it i go literally bruce lee is like the godfather of mixed martial arts yeah. he was the first guy to you know you know he studied win chung which is like you know stands for shorthand fist like it's fighting in close combat quarters and you know just being that close to somebody's hands and and then he realized he goes that's not going to win any fight you know, like not every fight what if the guy picks you up and throws you on the ground you know where's yeah. all your like, it's like almost like a boxer fighting a wrestler it's like you could be the best boxer in the world but if that wrestler is really good and grabs you and drops you on your back your whole skill set and game plan is gone now right you know what i mean that guy will maul you on the ground so he was the first guy to be like hey maybe i should study a little bit like Western boxing and a little bit of wrestling. And he was the first guy to really take, you know, not realize that one style, this style is better than your style and argue that point. He was like, Hey, if I know a little bit of everything, I'm an all around better fighter. And I love the fact that he was like, you know, kind of really the first guy to really do that, or at least make it mainstream and kind of mix and blend, take a melting pot of styles of martial arts put them together and know that you can win a fight in any way whether you go to the ground whether you're standing up whether you know the guy's bigger than you you can there's things you can use to your advantage against his you know weakness yeah it's also true it's, it's the shape he was in is absolutely ridiculous like when you see i was watching that be water the 30 for 30 documentary earlier earlier today and it's yeah. funny when you see i thought him, that was too short yeah it was too it, short that i feel yeah. like they glossed over a lot of stuff but it go definitely on definitely could have put a lot more in when you saw him it was sort of like i was thinking about how they have unrealistic size for a lot of women's clothes and when you and you figure who the who that that ba is based on is like a barbie doll type thing and i was right. thinking about if they based the way men's pants fit off of the way they fit off bruce lee then men would know what that feels like because <laughs> you're looking <laughs> at it you're like oh that's the way you're supposed to have your like they, his pants look high but they just fit perfectly around this waist that's like the the epitome of health and you're like oh that's what we're supposed to work we're all working backwards from <laughs> right right that, and that was with nutrition in like this in the 60s and 70s like imagine i mean that comparing him to modern day ufc guys i mean mma guys you can imagine what he could do with modern nutrition science and things like that and he was right, already way ahead of the time, his time right exactly like even like most mma fighters nowadays like you'll have a nutritionist you know what i mean you'll have somebody watching your diet like because right. i mean if you know anything about exercise that's like literally 50 percent of right. it like you could work out all you want but if you go home and eat taco bell every night you know what i mean you're only working to, to right. towards the goal halfway because right. the other half of it is really like you know eating like you know it, like just being healthy and just the other side of like not just you don't not just working out is going to cut it you know right right and it's once you make that change it's i mean i get to a point maybe because i'm getting older now is that i can't eat like crap for more than like a day and then i'm just going to feel miserable for for way too long it affects your sleep and it becomes this like snowball effect where you just you're never quite back to your normal self until you just start getting on that treadmill again
Right, right. And even then it gets harder and harder as you get older to A, find the motivation to do that and B, um, you know, be able to stick with the routine. Right. And I've literally fallen off a treadmill twice in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, I could see that happening, though. That could be pretty easy to happen. Yeah, it is because I do have one in my house. I use the elliptical more often, but there is something about the treadmill where you do feel like you're always like a, a an inch away from like a final destination style death. Oh, dude, I'm always <laughs> just one one wrong step away from just you know like especially if you're going full steam. You know what I mean? It's it's hard yeah. to slow down from that. You know what I mean? You take one wrong step, you're gone. Yeah, I knew someone who was on a treadmill and they they that happened and they and they and they get spit off the back and ran into a mirror. Did they break the mirror? Yes. And That's mirror, awesome. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> but it, yeah. I hope they're okay, but. They they, they, awesome. they were they pretty caught up. Like, um, it's um, it's a dangerous game you play. I don't know. See, you know what the problem is? They didn't videotape it and put it on the internet. Yeah, I know. They could have been. That's the real, that's the real shame right there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I did it once at a gym and I just like, because what happened was the, per, I don't know how this happened, but the person before me didn't turn it off. So I stepped Did you on just it. Step on it already. And like going? I had my headphones on. There's a bunch of other ones. So like, and you never think to go. Let me make sure it's off because it's always. Like, why wouldn't it be off? And I just stepped on it and just did it immediately. And well, then, see, I, then if that's the case, that's not your fault then. It wasn't, but nobody. I couldn't go around everybody in the gym and explain that. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Well, it was already on. Never. Right. Like, no, you're an idiot. And like, and then like, just to save face, I got up and got up on it and still ran for like. 30 minutes i was well, like I'm not... you you have to because you have to run long enough to try to run away from the embarrassment moment right 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 and i had to make sure i hadn't broken anything too so oh yeah yeah that's true true yeah my, my yeah that was a fun day um <laughs> so so let's talk a little bit about how you know you and i have been working on music together for a long time uh like yeah. i mentioned before we were in project mayhem together which is a pretty large crew out of the uh most of you guys are out of the quincy area yeah the south shore yep up up there massachusetts and then we did a little mike monarchy you myself narconics dj wise one um we did that for a few years had some fun opening for people like onyx and warren g i think and slain and ill bill and a bunch of other uh, people coming to the, Ari the rugged man the, Ari the rugged man, man. yes yeah, we, we actually opened up uh for him on halloween two years in a row right that is very uh, true yes yeah. i think maybe uh, copyright as well who we've been doing some work with now Oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so then you know, cut forward a bunch of years. I I kind of stopped rapping, and then during the pandemic, I decided to finish my um long unawaited by anybody album, "Drinking Songs for Children," which required you to re-record part of one of your verses for that. So thank you very much. Uh, that that was also difficult because I also, um, like uh, I I also I I took a hiatus from music. I kind of just stepped back and I just studied the the business side of it for like at least like i don't know probably like over a year and then uh and then i started i got back and i started producing again and then i went in um heavy doing that and doing um engineering um you know mixing mastering and and also djing live shows and stuff like that and djing for other people's sets and kind of that's that's how i got back into it as well yeah, the response for Crown Me of our song Crown Me Now with me, you, copyright and honest, and DJ Slipwax has been really great. Um that I, song came out fire. Yeah, I love that. I think people are gonna gonna dig Seinfeld. And I think we got a few more in the chamber that are still uh, you know, still yet to come out. So I'm very excited about that. Uh-huh. So how did you where did the how did how did Bruce Lee and 
was there any line between Bruce Lee and your music stuff? Like, did you apply a similar attitude to do the mental arts? Like, walk us through that a little bit. Uh, well, so like the reason why I picked that too, it's because not only was like a, to me, he was just super inspirational, got me in martial arts at a young age, um, which also like kept me out of a lot of trouble. It also taught me a lot about like, you know, but when you take martial arts, it's funny how like you'd figure going into something, learning how to hurt somebody, you know, you'd become like, um, you Johnny know, Lawrence. like. It, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. You not walk around. It's it's ironic that you go in there and you learn so much stuff about uh, like respect towards others, self respect, and you know, once I feel like once you learn, you can hurt somebody like you don't want to. You know what I mean? It's like like your your morality. You know what I mean? Kicks right. in, and you know what I mean. When, once you know you like, I'm sure Bruce Lee walked around and had you know no point to prove to anybody because he's like and walking into a room he's like i could beat up all of you like you know already in the back of his head so it's like he has no point to prove he doesn't have to walk around like a tough guy if anything you learn to avoid fights right and um you know which is which is a good thing because anything and, can happen in a fight it's like there's it's oh, like yeah. there's, there's no guarantees you know oh man i i, I was uh, at a beach party one time and uh i watched some kid get punched uh he fell off the curb hit his head on the uh uh, uh fell off of like basically fell and hit his head onto the curb and uh went into a coma and you know what i mean like it was wow. it was crazy the kid was in the coma for like nine months the other kid was facing like you know uh, possible like uh like manslaughter charges and stuff so like wow. even then like I, i've seen crazy stuff happen like you know and that's when i was pretty young and you know that i've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen in my life like i was at a party uh, once uh, that was on a back porch in like alston brighton which those are wicked pretty old and i don't know what happened between these two people they started fighting and the porch was like rocking and i had to get i and so like i had to grab one of them and i put him in like a full nelson just because someone else was grabbing the other so they couldn't do anything and then he went back and me and him went through a table and i could feel the, the thing like is you hear about these porches collapsing all the time and i was like my good lord like yeah you could have went off a second story real quick. yeah we all could have the whole thing could have like crashed down right. it's just like yeah it's anything can like, happen when you start it's like it's, we want to avoid violence at all costs you know? right and and plus like i've seen like especially like outside of shows and stuff like that you know you've seen it like outside of yeah. shows people are drunk at the end of the night you know and, and like you know it's better to know how to avoid a fight you know than then you know run into one you know what i mean because you know i've seen crazy stuff happen at the end of the night and people go through windows you know what i mean and, and outside of the onyx show when we opened for onyx i think uh some friend of mine at the time i think it was a friend of my girlfriend in particular she she showed up and she got the perfect parking squat right in front like the one right in front of harper's ferry which is now bright musical i think and um oh is that when uh frangie and lopez got into a fight i think i there was so well, they didn't get into a fight they the some other kid like backhanded i think lopez and like broke his cheekbone oh okay this i think has something to do with um a marine and possibly someone's girlfriend and possibly somebody also in our group <laughs> i don't oh, remember oh, <laughs> i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, I remember her how happy she was when she got that parking spot, but her car got all dinged up because of that fight. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like I'm saying, like you know, like you've seen it a million times, especially like, yeah. you know, being being in like you know the music scene, how we are going to shows and everything like that. Like, you're yeah. more likely to run into a scenario like that when you know when like people have been drinking all night. And, There's a high knucklehead factor at a lot of these shows. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And the other thing too about a lot of those shows too is. Um, you, you know, hip hop's got all love and it's also got all hated sometimes. And 
the the sort of problem with the hip hop scene at that point is that a lot of the people in the crowd were just other like like you have a main you have you have an attraction that'd be the headliner someone that we all dig you know I'm not going to name names but you know a big name at some point and they'd come in but the reality was they couldn't really fill the club themselves even at that point because there were so many shows and so many venues so they'd bring in these crews to sort like us to sort like sell a bunch of tickets and things like that but it ended up being you're only playing performing for your friends and other rappers and their friends and it was yeah, like I... and so then it wasn't like the all love feeling because half the time you had people fighting over like nothing right exactly and like even then people would like you know start to you know like get catch feelings towards other people that like got a higher spot in the show like something close like you know right but there's pl plenty of shows that we played that you know we went on right before the opening act and you know right. even that I'm, I'm sure like brew something within other people and then you know when you guys all walk outside you know some sometimes people have words right and it would be like a status symbol about well i got to play the middle east well, i got to play downstairs well i got to actually go in the green room and i got to do this and right, like, right 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 just like my wristband was this color <laughs> <laughs> yeah just for like little dumb dumb stuff yeah yeah you know that's i mean it's the way to make the already difficult music industry even harder because that's yeah. the funny thing about being in a group is it's sort of like being in a relationship with multiple people and it's hard enough to be in a relationship with one person and like let alone like you know, who essentially have one thing in common, the music, and then like a lot of the other stuff is just, you know, the stuff that goes with it. Right, right. So, um, so do we even, do we even get back to the music production part, the same sort no, of- No, no, no. So, so, um, so as far as uh, like, at least like uh, with the Bruce Lee thing, with the production thing. So um, with that, like um, I just found um, not only was he, you know, like a, you know, great martial artist, but also he was like a huge philosopher and um, like he even has books like, you know, that are that are um, published that are just about his philosophies and his theories towards things, because like he used to just write a lot of stuff down and um, just like his just thoughts and things like that. And just yeah. the way he thought about things. Anything in um, Enter the Dragon where you hear him say anything the least bit philosophical was something that he put in. I mean, essentially, like because it was it's to enhance the script. And a lot of that was stuff that it was his inclusion to make sure it was in there because he wanted to make sure that he was giving out, you know, a certain message and he was you know getting himself across. Right. Because like it, like that's one thing I love about him, too. Like his movies were always like had some sort of um, like deeper meaning to them. It was like, don't get me wrong, like like, you know, the fight scenes were crazy and, you know, you walked a I'm sure everybody, you know, walked out of a Bruce Lee movie back then and, you know, walked out there and was like, yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Just like, sure, you know, yeah. you walk out there all hyped up like, oh, man, which was another like great thing about him. He was just super inspiring. You know, you walked out there thinking like, man, I want to I wish I could do that, you know, which inspires other people to do that. But also he, like, you know, he, he he was a great philosopher and he always had a deeper meaning in all of his movies. Like um, like, in, for instance, in the game of death. Uh, I think that was the first Bruce Lee movie, at least the one that comes to mind, the first one I actually really remember watching. And in it, he has the yellow, he has a yellow yeah. tracksuit, which is the black stripe down the side. And they asked him, like, you like, why are you gonna wear that? You know what I mean? It was just like a weird jogging one piece. Like it it looks like it looks like almost something like a like a dancer, like a ballerina would wear or something, you know what I mean? And he was like, Oh, like instead of having a karate gi or, you know what I mean? One of those, yeah. you know, like just wearing like anything else that would, you know, signify I'm this or I'm that. He goes, I want to wear this because it it stands for a nothing. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean I have any style, which was like the one of his greatest philosophies. He was like, 
the best style, you know what I mean? Is no No style style. at all, you know, to have no style to just basically just freely express yourself. However, that is, you know, and yeah, what's what's the defense for that? You know? Yeah. And that's beautiful. Also beautifully said, that's like, also like his, his martial arts was like poetry in motion. You know what I mean? He, he was able to combine so many different styles and, and, you know, make that part of his style. And one of his other great, uh, great quotes was um, something along the lines of like, um, um, like use basically what's useful to you and disregard the rest. Where like, you know, just because everybody's saying this is how you have to do it. This is how you have to do it. It's like, no, there's no, you know, it's almost like how even learning works. It's like no two people learn the same way. You know what I mean? No two people think that this, not everybody thinks the same way. So, you know, explaining it in one way to one person might not translate to the other person. I think what's hidden behind that a little bit is is sort of the idea of first teach yourself to have good judgment and then apply that judgment. Because it's like it's hard to teach yourself how to have good judgment it involves discipline, involves inner thought, involves, you know, a lot of different things that are uncomfortable to do. But once you have that judgment, you can trust it to say this is for me and this isn't for me. Right. You know? Right. And what once once you get past that, you know. You almost it's like uh, it's almost like you got to try everything once to see what works. Right. And you know what I mean? If something it, it's it's ironic how all of a sudden you'll you'll find something that just like makes sense to you. Right. You know what I mean? That's natural to you and works for you, whatever, whatever that may be. You and know? anybody who's ever done like a lot of yoga will probably tell you that like there's some poses that some bodies will just never get in no matter what. And, it, it, and it's like and there there has to be an acceptance that not all of us have the same limits, not all of us have the same capabilities. And, you know, the same way that when I shook Billy Corgan's hand once and the guy's fingers went out to like here on me and you're just <laughs> like, well, that certainly must give him an edge when he's playing guitar, you know, and you're just <laughs> right. like. You know, sometimes you have to accept that there's our bodies are what our bodies are, and um, to under, but to have the knowledge of that and to not force it in a direction is not you know it doesn't want to go in and just you know be water, as he says, and you know fill the vessel that you have. Right, which is another once again another great metaphor that he has, like as like his philosophy towards things. You know, he's like you know you put the water in the in the teapot, it becomes a teapot. You put it in the cup, it becomes a cup. You know, yep, in like. And it can it can flow and it can crash. Yeah, you know? yeah he's like you know, and like it's crazy because it's like it could be like the smoothest thing ever, you know what I mean? Or it's like if there's a tidal wave, it could destroy you know everything. So yeah. it's like it's you know what a what a great metaphor. Yeah, it is for sure. Also so, on, on the Billy uh, on the Billy Corrigan thing, yeah. Billy Corrigan smashing pumpkins, Homer Simpson smiling politely. <laughs> I know with the second you said that, that popped in my head, and that. That might be one of the funniest things I've ever heard. It was so life. trippy to me when that episode came out and Cypress Hill and Sonic Youth were and Smashing Pumpkins were on um The Simpsons. And it yeah, was really on the festival. Yeah, it was like the fake Lollapalooza. And it was really the beginning. It was a milestone because that was, it was that was the last time I think I saw Billy Corgan with a full head of hair because he was animated there with a the hair. Oh, and I yeah, remember yeah. the first time I ever saw them on tour was the Siamese Dream Tour, and he still had his hair back then. Yeah. And and um then then after that he pretty much had the zero shirt and no hair for stability we come to know. Also more. completely off subject. Did you ever see him on the Joe Rogan podcast where he said that he saw a guy shapeshift? Yeah, yeah. He's a wild dude. That's insane. But also even even Joe Rogan goes, uh, were you on drugs? Yeah. And he was he... like, No, I was actually sober then. And I'm like, yeah. hmm. 
Interesting. And I was drinking this tea. Um, yeah, right. He 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 now owns the NWA. He runs a wrestling company. Like not Wait, just for real. The wrestling. Remember, like back in the day, when NWA had, or NWO. NWA. Like like back the thing that turned into WCW were Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and all of them in the eighties. The yep. National Wrestling Alliance. Um, he now owns that and he operates it. He's the head booker. It's not what it once was, but it's probably maybe the fourth or fifth biggest wrestling company in the country. And he he owned part of TNA Impact, and I was on for a while. I think he owned part. I don't know. It's pretty wild. He's a, he's a pretty crazy dude. That's so random. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the Billy Corgan part of the story. But yeah. so one thing that, that pops in my mind is um, when you said the when you talk about the yellow tracksuit, obviously Kill Bill was a was a. Um, her outfit, Uma Thurman's, the bride's outfit, and that seemed to be a tribute to Bruce Lee. I think uh, that hundred percent, right, hundred percent. And there's two directions you can go in there. One, Quentin Tarantino. Um, any thoughts on the way he Bruce Lee was portrayed in kind of getting his ass kicked by Brad Pitt? And the other thought there was the RZA, along with Wu Tang, you know, hip hop, martial arts. Was there ever any connection made there between um, Bruce Lee and uh, hip hop? Yeah. Um. So that wasn't really a question, but it was just something to tell you to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Uh, done rambling. Your turn. Uh. Um. As far as um uh, Quentin Tarantino thing, well, I thought it was weird that he would do that, where he would be like, "I'm gonna like do like a huge like homage to Bruce Lee with like the whole Kill Bill thing, but right. then later later on, uh, basically you know make him look like an ass." I don't understand. Also, I didn't even ask. Can we curse on this? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. know if like uh, you're trying to like monetize or uh, you know. No, no one wants to give me anything. Um, it, it's funny. I walked out of um, what was the one he Inglorious Bastards? I'm like, and I enjoyed yeah. it, but I'm like, that was World War II fan fiction. Um, like, yeah, they they shot Hitler into soup. Right. I, I'm not positive that that's what happened. I don't, I don't think it was either. It was, and, um, <laughs> and and they also shot him in like a theater, like it was like he mixed like the Abe Lincoln story with like right. like and I it's don't know. one it thing was, to do it to and no one's really gonna give a shit because it's Hitler and you're like we just want to see him die, I guess. Right, right. Nobody Which, gave a shit that Hitler got shot. Fair enough. Like, hey. But then when he does it, to, when he when he when he's sliding Bruce Lee in his fan fiction, which I know that there's there's some talk of is there being some legitimacy of this story, but I think you know that movie also was fan was Hollywood fan fiction. It's it's right. like you know it, it it did strike a weird way. Like it is it was it was an odd choice. You know. Well, I I thought it was weird too because it's like almost like he just painted uh, like a picture of Bruce Lee being an asshole. And uh, don't get me wrong, I like I didn't know Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee died like before I think I was even fucking nineteen seventy three. Yeah, that's yeah, where I was born. I was born in eighty six. So it's like you know like uh but he was you know dead you know before I even you know discovered who he was when I was a kid yep so um like obviously like and even then like i i'm i'm definitely no bruce lee expert or anything like that but um um but i and i mean i don't know this for a fact but i assume like it seems like everybody when you're in hollywood long enough you kind of get an ego or you kind of you know become yeah. an asshole at certain points or even then like i mean it, you know is is great of a guy is he was you know to me at least visually or from what i hear or from what i read or whatever 
I'm I'm sure he was all also an asshole on certain days too. You know what I mean? Maybe they acknowledged like, that in like the, anybody um, the 30 else. for thirty too. They said that you know he had his days where he was, you know, I think anybody who's that that intense and that also comfortable in their own skin, I think, like you're not going to walk around. Kiss, you're not going right. to walk around kissing everybody's ass. You know what and I mean? I'm sure it's easy to get frustrated with people who I'm sure you can see in a second if you're someone like him. There's somebody who's just not ever going to put the effort in. Well, sure or, even, or even then i also think about it like this too like you got to realize what that dude had to overcome right. like it, there was a reason why he he tried to do the whole thing in america and you know and basically everybody because he was asian they were like you're not gonna be a lead role like at right. that point in time they were like hot like even now asian people are just starting to get lead roles in movies in in indian right. in like and in, you know just you know anybody else like Right. they're all and just, just this to get week roles the this. guy the guy the kid from indiana jones the temple of doom got nominated for an oscar right i i believe for um everything everywhere all at once oh i i didn't know he got uh, nominated for I'm an Oscar. almost positive he did um i and i i, I don't quote me on that we will have already known if he'd won or lost by the time this comes out but i mean that's pretty right. wild i mean think about i mean because he was the same kid from goonies i believe right uh yeah um yeah uh what was it data um you know i've only i've uh, only ever seen goonies once and it was when i was well, I, I also i always remember him as short round right short he was short round from short temple round. of doom and i think he yeah. was the same kid from goonies yeah and, yeah no he was he was the same kid from goonies yeah and it's but, just but, but that was those were two very stereotypically asian portrayals and it's like that was in right. our that was in my lifetime probably the beginning of your lifetime right and it took this dude how long to even get another chance to um really you know I mean, it's not like there's been a ton of Asian actors that have won Oscars between now and then either. I mean, right. Well, even like Squid Games, Squid Games just finally, they were the first, like, um, I think, Korean or at yep. least non-American to to win some that whatever that big award that they won was like, um, like, I don't yeah, know, I don't know, I don't know what it shows, called, but, but, yeah, I mean, but, but, but I know that they won, they won a big award and that was like a huge deal because never have like an a all Asian cast ever won an award like that. Like, and that was just just recently yeah. just within the last like three years so like in parasite too i guess this, you know right right parasite also that movie was sick too like uh korean horror films are always wicked dope and uh my old uh my old roommate uh slant site from headshots um he he's uh he's korean and um he's the one that would always show me all these like crazy korean horror films and stuff like that and uh i believe he's the one that showed me um uh battle royale back in the day which I, was, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, that it's basically what they took. Um, what are those movies that they made? Um, the uh, the ones with like uh, the girl and they put everybody in the island and everybody has to like kill each other and stuff. I don't know what type of movies you watch. <laughs> uh, that that was um, snuff films. <laughs> no, no, no. That was like that was like a big movie that 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 they made a uh, big uh, American. Uh, movie franchise that they came out with. They came oh, out with three different ones of them. See, I don't watch a lot of that stuff. So, oh, it was like The Purge? No, it wouldn't have been that. No, um, no, it wasn't The Purge. It was like... um, I think, you know, I know I, I can picture it in my head now. Yeah, yeah it was a chick with a bow and arrow and stuff like that. Well, well, oh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games, thank oh, you. Okay, yes. All right, I was thinking of something stole, else. They but... stole that entire idea from Battle Royale, which is like an old, like, I think that came out in like I think early eighties or something like that. Like uh, that movie's crazy too. Yeah. But um, but yeah. Long story short, um, <laughs> that's um, like it was just amazing what Bruce Lee did at at that time frame too, especially 
Like he had to be so badass and so charismatic. And also his movies had to have such a deep meaning that he put into them that like you could not deny, you know, just like just his presence or just how incredible he was. He had to be so who he was that when people saw, and I don't mean this as a justification of it, that people saw him as almost something other than Asian. Cause it, cause right. he was, he was bigger than that. And it's like that. Right. And I'm just saying that to point out, that's what he needed to do in order to be accepted in the level that he was at. And his, and it's like, and we're thinking of him now, 50 years. I mean, this would be 50 years this July. It was when he passed away. Right. That's um, what I was going to say. It's about to be his yeah. 50th anniversary. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that he's still like, to me, like, that's another impressive thing. The fact that he conquered all that back then and he's still revered, like people still right. talk about him. He's still like one of those, like such an inspirational thing for even expect, like, especially in the martial arts world. You know what I mean? There's never been a dude in the UFC that wasn't like, you know, like, Oh, I watched oh, Bruce yeah. Lee movies when I was a kid. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, I want to get into martial arts much like I did and much like how anybody else that got into martial arts, you know, like, um, and they stand the test of time because that's that's what i mean for the fact that that was that long ago and people still growing up like you know kids that are younger than me that are in the like ufc or you know other mma um organizations are still like you know everybody grew up watching you know bruce lee movies and was just like whoa you know what i mean so impressed and there's one when you watch an old bruce lee movie because obviously now they're all old right um like it's not like when you're watching like football from the '60s and you have dudes out there with leather helmets that are going at one third the speed that they're going now. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not like watching that compared to modern football. It's he's Bruce Lee is still moving at a speed that is pretty unbelievable. Well, and it's funny too about like that you mentioned that too because his speed because all of his movies he used to move so fast, uh, uh, like he you know moved so fast that the cameras back then were just so shitty that they couldn't catch it. And so you weren't catching all of the, all the moves that he was doing. And so they actually had to slow down the film and he was still fast. Like even all the movies that you see, all his fight scenes are all actually slowed down and he's still moving at remarkable speed. And so like uh, anybody also that knows anything about physics, like speed is the thing that makes something powerful. So it's like, you don't even have to be a big guy if you could throw a right. fast punch with a little bit of power behind it, it's, you know, the faster you throw a punch, the velocity, the speed in it is what makes something powerful. It's the reason why a, bu- a bullet's deadly. I could throw a bullet at you and it's, right. you know, ouch. But if uh, it comes out of a gun, it's because it's going so fast is what kills you. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So what about the Wu-Tang of it all? Did you ever, because um, it's funny, I can't, I know there's a lot of Kung Fu and martial arts samples in Wu-Tang. I can't think of him ever actually doing Bruce Lee, but I'm betting probably that's just a pretty legal, legally trippy area to just put in. Right. And I I know that they probably had to clear a lot of samples for stuff back then. And obviously using the old um, Shaolin, like, because I, I do remember that when I was really little my uh, at my grandmother's house. She had one of the TVs that you could only, um, it only had like eight channels or something on it. Yeah. So, and it had like, that's a what I had, bro. That's what I had until I was like 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and like, I, re- I remember that. And, um, and like, you know, it, it only had like eight channels on it. And, um, and I always remember on channel two, they would always have Kung Fu movies playing on like Saturday mornings and stuff. 
So me and my older brothers would get up and we'd sit there and eat bowls of cereal and watch old Kung Fu movies. And like, it's very ironic that like growing up and then um, one of my best friends, uh, Mark, growing up, his older brother was obsessed with Wu-Tang and he had Wu-Tang posters all of his wall and he would only just basically only strictly listen to Wu-Tang. And like, I remember like at the, at that time too, being very influenced by martial arts and being influenced by Bruce Lee movies, which got me into martial arts. And then that's when I also started discovering, you know, um, hip hop and, um, you know, through my older brothers and, you know, whatever they were playing is basically what I am listening to. And same thing, like, you know, going over my friend's houses, whatever their older brothers were bumping. That's what we were listening to. And we'd be like, oh, who's this, you know? And uh, I remember uh, my friend, my best friend, Mark, growing up, uh, his his older brother was obsessed with Wu-Tang. And I remember going and listening to it and then hearing all the Kung Fu samples and everything. And like, remember, like kind of connecting the dots and being like, well, those are like the stuff that I, you know, have seen and, in, in, you know, seen yeah. at uh, on channel two at you know on saturday morning it's and pretty so, wild like, I, that like so i always like, thought that was just super dope because combining you know like the whole martial arts world that i was obsessed with and then starting to get into you know finding things that i liked you know what i mean and which end up being hip-hop and and then finding something that combined both the things that i already loved and it's like uh, you know the martial arts world with the with you know the hip-hop and like and especially with like the dirty production and everything like that. Like I just, I thought Rizzo was a genius for that. And then all of a sudden I became obsessed with Wu-Tang because of that. Right. Right. You and Wu-Tang had that way of, they made beats that were slightly arrhythmic beats that would be slightly off. And it had a way of making it seem deceptively simple. Cause you're like, well, you know, the, 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 it isn't completely off on beat and like the sample sounds super dusty. I can do that, but it's not that easy. Like, no, no. And it's not, but also that's one of the things that inspired me to want to start to do that. Cause I would hear, you know, those type of beats and, and, you know, I was like, oh man, like how do they do that? You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and this is obviously pre-internet era, like era. So like, like the internet didn't exist. I couldn't just look up a tutorial and, how do I do that? You know? So like a lot of the times, like, and anybody I knew, like, um, that had a setup, you know, it was the same thing. Um, as far as, you know, their home studio, basically pretty much what Riz was working with using, you know, beat machines and, uh, and everything like that. And, yeah. you know, not know, not knowing how to, what quantize was or anything back then. And, you know, so he would make beats and I'm sure there was slightly off time and I'm sure he would like, kind of even warp the sound and try to change it so it wasn't a direct it was probably a good way to for him to get around sample yeah, clearances samples, back yeah. then too of you know especially him being in the record industry young so yeah. like especially him pro producing pretty much everybody from wu-tang all their original stuff and you know making beats for you know whole albums for everybody in your crew like that that the, just that amount of work that goes into that like people don't realize the amount of work that goes into oh, yeah. working on a project especially working on that many especially that many people in your group you know like like you know what i mean that many members in a group and making full albums and multiple albums for everybody until right. you guys get big enough that you know everybody gets their own individual deals like the way he thought of wu-tang just was genius that was also at a time too. Can you imagine how hard it would be to make hip hop off on tape? Like, and I, I started on a four track and even that's damn hard to work with. Tape is not very forgiving and Bro, it just doesn't. The, the first beats that I ever made were, um, 
were like I, I realize this too, even I think to this day, just because of how I learned how to make beats, I still think sometimes I do it the hardest way you could possibly do it. Yeah. I like and I and and, and I don't know if it like it's just like I like the challenge or if it's just like my brain only works like that because I grew up in an era that this is how you do things and I only learned how to do things in certain ways. And even um meeting a lot more people and then them watching their techniques and watching how they do stuff. I'm like, wow, the way they do things is way easier than the way I'm doing it. <laughs> like, yeah, because I remember back in the day, I like I had uh, a tape player that had the two tapes. So I used to tape like a part of a sample onto that tape. And then um, I would uh, my my brother's best friend worked at Quincy Records and Tapes. And um, he like I would get basically like um drum breaks from europe and stuff like that and beat break like tapes yeah and i would take the drums from that and try to tape them over the sample that i made and try to make my own beats which was pretty much the same thing it was like off slightly off timing because i didn't hit yeah. them exact same like time pause so tapes to some it's, it's just it, it became like a skill for me to be able to make a beat by pressing a tape at the same time and like yeah. even trying to press it a second early knowing it's going to take a second for the tape to click right. on and everything and um and then even after that like the um i used to make all my beats on uh adobe like uh that was like the first things that like any uh, of my audition would, yeah adobe audition yeah. where all my friends would that's how they all rec recorded all their vocals on but uh, we would put the beat on that and then record the vocals to that but then i was like well that's already in like you know um uh, it was the first daw i ever used and so it was the first time that i was like oh i could just take a part of like a song that I already like or an old yeah. you know record or something like that I would take that chop the sample and then I would chop that up a bunch but I didn't have a beat machine or anything like that no equipment so I was just sitting there and tediously chopping things and then I would take from same thing that I would do with the tape player take old break beats and and chop those up and you know make the beat like that but when I was showing people the beats I was making actually even some of the beats that um that i gave you forever ago that you've actually recorded to yep. um i i made the beats like that um, oh word <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of uh uh do you remember the free association beat that i made yeah um the one uh, like, where i'm like um i'm sort of mixed i'm sipping on vodka mixed with jean when i'm in a jean when i'm wearing when i'm rocking jeans in a tea it's like i'm sipping on vodka mixed with genius tea yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah because yeah. i remember i had you do a verse to it i'm like i had a whole plan where i was almost gonna i was gonna try to rizzer it yeah. i was gonna secretly get you to record i got uh illusionist i got dave to record a verse uh i think i got somebody else to record a verse and then i had a verse and then i chopped them all together but oh. i also realized back then nobody knew how to count bars no, so it's very much wu-tang style where this this dude had eight bars this dude had a 16 this dude out of 24, this dude out of 36. Like it was, it was all over the place. Yeah. But that, but um, that also... actually, that allowed me to confess my biggest hip hop embarrassment. I hadn't thought about this in a while. Remember that track we did back in the day that was supposed to be like a triumph that was all like, um, it was, it was like everybody from Project Mayhem. And I don't know if it was over the exact triumph beat or it was something that it wasn't. Uh, Hol Holbrook made that. Right. Beat. He made something that, but that was the idea of it. And everybody was going to get on it and they were going to flip the first line of um, 
the first um, four to eight bars of Triumph. Right. Each, and so each, I got on and for some reason, I don't know what I was on when I got that, but I spaced out in the assignment and I didn't realize that you guys were saying the, when you said flip, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take it and I'm going to redo some basic ideas and, and put things in. I didn't realize you guys were actually taking the bars and starting with them. No, no I, I didn't either. Uh, um, uh, I think Oblivious had, had a verse. He flipped, he flipped um, pretty much all of Ghostface's entire verse. Okay. He took it and then flipped like every word were there was some beginning of the lines that that were were his. But then he flipped the ending of them. And okay. um, same thing. I only flipped, I think, the first uh, the first four, four bars of my verse. I think uh, I think I had uh, you God's verse. And okay, I, maybe, I, I think I had risen. So maybe I didn't. Oh, wait, no, I, I think I maybe I had inspected decks. Um, I, I honestly can't. That was so long ago. I can't think. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, because I, I felt do, bad I, about that forever. Because the song never. I was the last verse to get recorded, and there should have been four or five more people after that. And I, I, I had always thought that oh, I messed that up, and then people just got sick of it, didn't want to finish it. So maybe I just am carrying. No, 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 no. It was, it was also just like that test of like, um, like I honestly have no idea how RZA got actually everybody on board and convinced them that all this was going to work. Um, oh, yeah. I just read this book. I just finished it the other day, the new Rick Juan book and the memoir. It's really good. You guys going out too. But he talks yeah. a lot about that. How this, it's like he both was super frustrated with the fact that they couldn't get on the same page. But then when he tried to get his own shit going with like ice water and he had an American cream team, he was like, oh, I get it. It's impossible to get people to do anything. Like, Yeah. Well, like especially like even um like uh even with um like you know even with starving artists and stuff like that like it was so hard to get everybody on the same page and everything like that and also i also think it was different it was a different time cuz that was just the very very beginning of streaming services or maybe just before right. that so like uh pretty much the only outlet that you had is like uh, uh like uh, any service like that was like uh, iTunes or like Apple Music before right. it was like Apple Music. It was all like CDRs with shitty like pamphlets and like right you know, assembling and, them yourselves and stuff. Right, and so like everything that we were doing was kind of like pressing it up. Like I remember, like we got like a small deal with a distribution company by pressing up our own stuff, and um, and e even that it was just like it was so hard to 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 keep keep all of that moving. You know what I mean? Keep everybody on the same page, especially because you know. It's hard to get what like two people to agree on on anything right. like even me and me and honest like uh with like dirty dirty city records like we form we form that it's really like almost like uh like i consider that like a gangstar like foundation type of thing where it's like dirty city records is the name of the group you know what i mean like yeah. where like i'm i'm the dj and the producer the engineer you know and and he's the artist so it's like you know together we're like a duo you know yeah. and uh, we put out everything together but also it's way different now and it, like you know with all the streaming services and everything it's it's like you have way more outlets to 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 get your stuff out there now yeah. and um and and even then it's you know me and him you know we'll have different opinions on things of you know like i think we should do it this way i think we should do it that way i think we should do this with the song i think we should go this direction you know i think yeah. that you should write about this this concept or whatever you know but me and him are really good at finding a good um a good happy medium where he's happy with what he wants and I'm happy with what I want and um I think that's the reason why we've been consistently you know being able to put 
put stuff out and even then like i'm sitting on a treasure trove of of music with me and him you know yeah. which even then unfortunately like even just with like his medical stuff that happened recently you know like it definitely pumped pumped the brakes on it and even then like with my medical stuff that happened recently you know like it yeah. definitely like um it happened at the same time which is ironic because you know we both kind of had to uh, had to you know put the brakes on for that but yeah. um but we're also both sitting on a shit ton of music so that you know we're getting ready to release so even then as you know he gets better and even then he came to the studio and he banged out a solo song and then we recorded another feature with another artist the supervisor that's going to be coming out soon too so sweet um, yeah so like even that that was the first two songs that i recorded because i remember you were asking about uh you know how how he was doing and stuff yeah and, uh, yeah and and so um i'm glad you know, i'm glad he's on the net we we, we got some, we got some stuff, stuff in the works as well so yeah yeah i got some other stuff that i'll be sending you to and uh can't stop won't stop probably should stop but i'm not going to do yeah no, honestly i i like like i said i couldn't even at this point it's just like um yeah and i think that that's another thing from like bruce lee you know like just his pure determination with things where like when everybody in the world is telling you you can't do it and like truly with him you know truly yeah. the entire world was like this will never happen for you right. this will never work you like this will never happen and he was like nah. no fuck you i'm gonna yeah. do it <laughs> and hold on and i'm gonna let my cat in hold on one second my cat's losing her mind what's up bud here she comes all right problem solved <laughs> But yeah, um, with with that, with that, like keeping that in mind, that's another thing that I find just super inspiring from him. Where you know, when the entire world is telling you, "What's up, cat?" It's Chloe. What's up, Chloe? Um, yeah, even with that, you know, when the whole world is telling you no, it's usually like a good sign when everybody's telling you no, don't, don't do that. Like, I mean, right. as long as it's not hurting anybody else, you know what I mean? It's a productive thing usually those are like the great success stories when somebody's like don't do that and everybody's like ah quit you know go do something regular you know what i mean and it's like my entire life i've truly always believed i was never meant to do anything uh, like normal or what they said that i should do like right. i just always kind of trusted my gut and went with the things that made me happy and you know the things that inspired me and that is a huge like inspiration from bruce lee and just the way he thought about things for right. sure i mean I, I can relate to that as well it's like i you know i i often realize that i could have made a lot of different decisions that could have made my life a lot probably easier in a lot of ways but it right. wasn't worth it I, I i i kind of i hate when i look around and see some of my peers and realize they haven't emotionally matured in 15 right. 20 years and or, or even then just like sacrificing your um like not even like integrity, I guess it's just like sacrificing your joys. You know what I mean? Right. Like to, to appease like the rest of what you think society wants you to do. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, you're supposed to, you know, go to school, then graduate, then go do this and go do that. It's like, but also why can't I also like the things I like and do the things I want to do? Yeah. Like you, you can even still do all those things, you know what I mean? But but you can also still do the things that you want to do and the things that make you happy, whether it's art, music, or both like martial arts, like you can still do all those things. And nowadays there is even so many outlets that you could do where you can even make money off of the things that you love to do more right. so than you'd make at your real job. 
in my town of 5,000 people, there's one place you can go to um, learn how to be a falconer. There's another place you can go to learn how to fence. And it's like, it's like, I don't, I feel like those, I grew up in a town twice that size and I didn't have either of those options. Yeah. Right. Like, and like, honestly, learning how to fence would be dope. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about doing it. But... You know, why, honestly, why not? And to me, it's like, also, like, I always think that like, another thing like i'd always like my mom always told me too she'd always like you know she's like a huge person that's always believed in me and always kind of backed me and like i'm super thankful for that you know to have somebody that's like super um um you know willing to back the things that you want to do that everybody else is also saying that's like crazy you know what i mean don't do that you know what i mean like or there's there's no money in it or blah 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 whatever the case may be you know, like it was great to have my mom always support me and all those things and and always have somebody like have your back with with that sort of thing. Yeah, it becomes important to realize if you do anything artistic, but you can't seek validation from everybody because you need to actually know the people whose validation means something and whose advice means something because you are going to get a lot of people who just they'll take their own insecurities out in your dream. Right. It's 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 just it's it's they don't even do it intentionally but there if you have a few people whose trust you whose opinion you really trust you're really lucky because i think a lot of people they let their insecurities lead who they ask advice for and they'll ask advice from somebody who they kind of know is going to tell them if if you think well i'm not pretty enough to do this or you think i'm not talented to do this oftentimes you'll seek somebody out who's going to tell you just that Right, because that, that's what you want to hear, you know? Right, and it's the easier thing to hear, and, yeah. you know... Everybody wants to hear that you're great, you know what I mean? Nobody, like, you know, when I'm making a song, like, um, you know, like, I would I would rather have somebody be like, nah, bro, that ain't it, you know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. have somebody tell me that, but also, on the other side of that, too, I always, uh, I heard, um, I forget who told me, but somebody, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody one time, and, uh, like, I don't remember exactly who told me, but I'll never forget, they told me, um, they were like, uh, you know, do you like ska music? And I was like, you know, I've seen a lot of ska bands. Like to me, it's not like my old roommate, um, uh, Johnny Quest. He yeah. was uh, he was obsessed with ska bands and stuff. I've seen a shit ton of ska bands. And and even then, it's not my tip, like particular type of music. Like I wouldn't like go out of my way to listen to it. But uh, but, you know, he told me, you know, like uh, I forget who I was talking to, but he goes, do you like ska? And I was like, not really. Like, I mean, like, I, I mean, it's not bad. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's not something I would particularly seek out, but he goes, but there, he goes, when you've been, like, you know, and I told him, I was like, but I've been to a ton of shows and stuff. And he goes, are they sold out? I'm like, they're packed like to the max. You know what I mean? Like kids, like, you know, skanking yeah. all around the room, bumping into each other place was packed. And, and he was like, yeah, so that means somebody out there likes it. Yeah. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean there's not a market for it. Doesn't mean that there's not somebody out there that, you know, you know, that there's something like, I mean, and at that point the the story ended with, he goes, Hey, even there's people on the internet that love their balls stomped on by stilettos. You know what I mean? So there's something out there for everybody, you know, just because, well, just because you don't like it doesn't mean there's not a, an entire group of people that are super into it. You know what I mean? Like, furries or whatever the hell it is you know what i mean there there's something out there for everybody as much as if you don't like it doesn't mean somebody else isn't and there's a huge market for it people buy into it so and i think too the context is really important because i remember 
um i don't know a lot about uh mumble rap really but i remember i'd hear i'd hear artists about artists like little peep whatever and i'm like i put on a song too it's like, I'm like i don't get this but then but i watched that, a doc but, i watched little a peep wasn't even really him. mumble rap he was like emo oh rap. yeah okay yeah i see yeah, i don't yeah. even know the thing but um he's one <laughs> he passed away didn't he yeah, he did. Right. He did. So I watched a documentary about him, and it obviously it's, it's more about the person. And then you and I still don't really get in the music. But then when he actually when they actually start showing people in the venue, the context of it made it more sense. You can actually see not only the act performing, but the people how they're interacting with it. That well, for me of, kind of brought how, it all together. How the art affected the people, right? Because and even then, I realized that too. Like um, artists are usually like, I mean, uh, not usually, always your own worst critic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. There's been so many songs that like I've recorded with other people and they were like, you know, like I like I made the beat and like, you know, we recorded the song. And I like, you know, I I, I know what's good, you know what I mean? Or at least to my ear or I know that there's somebody out there that is going to this is going to affect them in that in that way that you right. wanted to. And and even then, they're usually the people that are like, ah, I don't know, like, I don't know if I ever want to put it out or. I don't know yeah. if I like it or whatever, you know, cause you're your own worst critic. And, and I realized that too, so like, I forget what I heard it on, but somebody was like, also when you make art, it's, you know, as much as like every artist is like, Oh, I'm doing this for me. I do this for me. I don't care if I ever make a dollar off of it. It's like, yeah, th that much can be true. But also if you are making art and you are putting it out there, it's not just for you anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like once you put it out there, it isn't for you anymore. It's for whoever you, you know, like is, 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 it's going to, and then they decide what they feel about it. Right. Not and it's you. real tricky to make music for an audience because for people who are looking for new music, what they're sort of looking for is something that reminds them of all the music that they grew up with, that they love, that also sounds completely new and different. And it's <laughs> right. Like, Which is pretty fucking hard to do. Right. And I know that from somebody that's, you know. I, I and one thing I pride myself on, especially as a producer, is I started really trying to go outside the box because, you know, making music with my friends growing up, they all, you know, want to make like boom bap and, you know, like Wu Tang yeah. sound and shit. And, um, you know, like the, the shit, like you said, the shit that we grew up on. It's like I want it. I want it to be the stuff that we grew up and we were influenced by and what we like, but also want it to be yours and and, you know, right. do your thing with it. You know, so that yeah, was that was great. that was that's always a hard balance to make with any artist that I've ever worked with is like right because especially trying to reach stuff. trying to make something new, something that sounds original, but also like you said, something that also is nostalgic in the in the things that you like and the things that you know you grew up loving. Right. So it's it's hard to find that balance. There was definitely a time in hip hop where the underground scene was like, yo, we taking it back to 94. We taking it back to that black sheep. We taking it back to that whatever. And, and like right. the problem is, well, there's still tons of those tapes in that album I've never listened to. I mean, I've it's like in you know, all the big ones I have, but it's like, there's still original music like that to delve into. I don't need you doing an impression of that. It's it just, it, it was something that I never really got it's it's like oh i'm a nostalgia act but i right. but it's like it's for someone else's nostalgia well well i think that's why dudes like little peep and stuff like that like almost like not creating a, like an his own genre of music but like um like 
taking the things that he liked from like the the rock world or the grunge yeah. or you know what i mean like like nirvana or anything that like he was inspired by but then mixing that with like hip-hop but then also it's not just like boom bap stuff because obviously he was younger than you know than than we are and so he didn't grow up with the shit that we grew up with he grew right. up with you know he the... grew up thinking in nirvana the way we probably thought of the doors Right, exactly. And it's funny like, too that, like, I remember a lot of people who said, "Well, if Nirvana was so good, you don't hear the influence." But that's kind of bullshit because the influence is kind of comes down to a lot of people like the like these people that are like it, it doesn't the influence in Nirvana doesn't sound like Nirvana. I remember Dr. Dre was liquidating his entire collection of vinyl at some point, and they asked him, I think, the few records he held on to, and one of them was Bleach by Nirvana, which is like. A pretty crazy record to associate with Dr. Dre, but that right. record has a very—it's like the, that that record inspired the Nirvana inspired people the way the Sex People, Sex Pistols did, not to go and create a band that sounded like the Sex Pistols Nirvana, but to create something that sounded like the things that sat around them that they could use the, for people that were sort of broke and had a certain amount of whatever and had to figure out how to scrap enough money together to get the basic small level of their dream going in order to take it from there. That's where the inspiration sort of comes from. And then to some degree, a lot of them, this modern hip hop there, they bring in some of the sounds a little more, but they inspire and Nirvana is inspired in so many different ways. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, even like, I don't know, even to go back, like uh, to the Bruce Lee thing, it's almost like an era. It's like almost like a, a point in time. You know what I mean? That, that it's like, yeah. you know, to, to have something inspiring at that point in time to leave a mark, like even Nirvana, you know, like it, like he also died at a very early age, yeah. you know what I mean? And before he got to see, like, don't get me wrong. He got to see the height of his career and realize yeah. how big he was, but, but also like, I mean, I bet you he didn't even realize how big that there would ever be. You know what I mean? Right. Even especially after he died to die at, at, you know, the peak of your fame. And then, you know, like, cause then at that point, then there's a marker on it where it's like, this was a point in time where this was so original and so new. And just at that point you could like, almost people could be like, I want to copy that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, because it was so influential. It's like, oh, I, mean, I think of it like what they did. Pearl Jam was the band that everybody copied because we were subjected to years of like Stained and Creeds and all these people who were very clearly um, mimicking, you know, Eddie Vedder and, and the feeling of Pearl Jam. But right. those bands, I mean, to me, I never was into, you know, and I don't know if those particular bands, those are the ones that I just be easy to throw under the bus. But um, that sound was beaten to the ground. But the Nirvana sound still is as fresh as ever. Well, because also I think that they came from that like underground scene. You know what I mean? They they came from like that underground grunge, like, you know, like there was a very small like niche for that sort of thing, you know, like as far as like even how like underground hip hop was for right. a little while, you know what I mean? Like until like there was almost like a clear de de like defining line between underground and mainstream back then. Right. You know, just think um, about too, like with, with Nirvana, uh, Bikini Kill, um, Kathleen Hannah, she's the one who came up with the title for Smells Like Teen Spirit. They were an enormous, enormous influence. They so obviously her and Kirk Cobain were friends enough to be in the same bedroom hanging out. Um, doing she drugs. married one of the Beastie Boys, and then the, then obviously Courtney Love is around that same group. This is a pretty like small knit group of people, right? Like I was saying, I was like, there was a very small, like 
group of people within that time frame. And like, so I always go back to like thinking of shows because back then there wasn't any streaming services or anything like that. Right. Like if you want to find out about something, you know, you weren't like looking on like release radar for some shit. You were you, you have to like call like, strawberries and ask the guy to check the list and when the new big like, teenage dance club the album is coming out. That was just right. uh, or even then, most importantly, you had to go to the fucking show. Yeah. You you had to actually go to the show. And even then, like out of like, you know, the how many bands performed that night, you know, you saw that one band that you like, those motherfuckers, those those dudes are dope. You're right. You know, and for whatever reason. And yeah. I'm sure Nirvana was one of those bands that, you know, like out of all the, you know, little grunge shows that they would play, you know, and in Seattle at that time, you know, the other ones that probably, with, that, with that with that brewing at that time, like that sound and that emotion and, you know, all of that stuff brewing at that moment in time. I'm sure that out of all the other bands, there's probably a lot of really other good bands that were, you know, similar at that right. time. But, you I know? mean, it's like, but, like there's the Mud Honeys, there's, um, you know, I want to say Citizen Dick, but that was a fake band from Singles, so I don't think they were. <laughs> but no, but like, like you know, it, it just so happened to be that was the one band that, you know, out of that scene at that time and that genre and that niche, like that, you know, somebody saw them and goes, they got something there right. and they got, you know, signed or whatever and they got pushed and, and pushed out of, you know, that underground scene, they broke through and, and right. was able to. And you can also, this is part of it, you could go, well, anybody given the right circumstances could do whatever. But I think, and I'm not a huge Foo Fighters fan. I often describe them as the old Navy of music. But there's <laughs> something to be said about how successful David Grohl, Dave Grohl, I call him David. Like Dave Grohl. David Grohl. Oh, good. Um, dude, you know David personally, right? right. Yes, yes. You know, I yeah. call him Dave. But, yeah. um, I call him he, David. He oh. prefers <laughs> He more formal but it, there is something you said about his level of success the point that nirvana doesn't get talked about when people say dave Grohl, they don't think of nirvana anymore i mean well also because he was so young at the time when like when he was in the band too like right um and also like obviously him having a very successful career after that with the foo fighters right. um is like but there's yeah, no like, accident like like, like his nobody goes back and they're like, like so nirvana yeah. like like and, and like nobody's like oh well foo fight foo fighter sounds like nirvana you know what i mean he even right. then he had to change his his whole sound of like he wasn't going to try to copy what nirvana was supposed to be or else i'm sure foo fighters would have not have been as half as successful if right. they just tried to copy what nirvana was doing right yeah definitely i remember when the um that foo fighters album came out i remember reading a review up at the first one and they back then they were really looking for evidence that he was either talking about Kurt Cobain or that Kurt Cobain had written the music or something. And they said the only thing on that album that in any way was related to Kurt Cobain is that when you open the cover, the cover points right at your face and there's a gun on the cover. And I thought that was Fuck. both kind of creative, but also a little tacky. To say <laughs> but yeah, you know. Uh, um, and guess what? I'm sure he wasn't the one that came up with that idea. I'm sure somebody else did within a record label. And then, and you know, he basically just had to sign off on it and be like, right. yeah, sure. And it was also, I think, like like a laser. And I think the idea was probably tied to the Foo Fighters, like UFO sort of thing. I'm guessing. I mean, if I had to make a guess why it was out there. But. Right. Yeah. I was going to say with uh, Foo Fighters, how they got their name is that's what they called um, like UFOs that like, you know, yeah. the fighter pilots would see. And like, I think it was like World War One or two. Yeah. I remember when they came out, I think maybe the first song they released or one of them was on like an X-Files soundtrack. And it was almost a novelty that the guy from Nirvana was given another shot. And um, 
especially because uh, the other guys, Novich, Chris Novacek, I mean, I, he really did very little after that. He had one band that I don't think, I mean, I think he took his life in a different direction. Maybe it was more about activism or something, but, right, you know. Yeah, and, well, and, and I was going to say that. I'm like, think about that. Like, out of, like, there was only three members of the band. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, one of them is dead. The other one wasn't anywhere near as successful or, you know, yeah. went off in a different direction. And then the other one, you know, took took that moment and ran with it but also made it into something way way bigger right. than i'm sure he ever thought it would be oh god yeah it's 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 crazy to see them sell out like fenway for multiple days in a row right like which is crazy to be able to sell out like a stadium like that like multiple days in a row yeah like that's impressive it is you know it'll be our turn soon enough soon enough baby so um any uh closing thoughts you want to uh, touch on related to Bruce Lee or anything else or our, uh you know anything else you're working on um uh, like I said I'm working on a ton of music right now um I honestly my my biggest thing right now is just been um trying to stay steady with the production especially like with like I just had a bunch of like um medical stuff happen stuff like that and need to get surgeries and stuff like that so um so even then, like, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise as, you know, as much as I'm, I'm broke as hell at the moment, um, I made a ton of music, you know, I've been making a, a ton of, of beats and, and um, really um, just kind of like, just really getting out of my comfort zone, really, too. I've been trying a lot of different things that I normally wouldn't do just out of uh, pure, just see what I can do. Like I said, too, my biggest thing is I want to be able to get to the point where I can walk into a studio with any artist and be able to work with any artist, you know, no, ma no matter what what their genre, what their vibe yeah. is, like whatever, or even then, like, and also I'm just also kind of mixing, mixing genres and stuff like that, like we were talking about earlier, too, where it's like, that's really the only way to really start to to really come up with something original is to right. now mix mix stuff that you'd never think would be mixed together and and uh see, see what you come up with more so now than ever you're not going to get successful sounding like the next guy i mean that was because right. that was the thing back in the day is like we have one britney spears let's find 10 other teenage girls that could be a britney spears we have one beatles let's find the teetles and the trudels and the trottles and like you know eventually <laughs> right, right. someone's going to catch them at a state fair and they're going to be huge and that doesn't work that way anymore you have to be providing something kind of different because taste change so quickly i mean right even like you think about like a movie like once upon a time in hollywood that's a movie that if that came out when we were kids people would talk about it for 10 years it would have been like even like pulp fiction reservoir dog people talked about for like 10 years and it's like a lot of these even huge movies everybody loves they're just forgotten about almost instantly right you know? well and i was gonna say it's it's harder to make something classic now Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think about even like something like a, like a Nas, like an Illmatic or something like right. that. It's like, it would be nearly impossible. Even if somebody came up with that now, even if there was a young Nas coming out now and, and you know, with just like, you know, crazy dope production from an upcoming producer that, you know, like, you know, somebody like right. myself or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. that like, you know, was like, you know, doing things that were just like, you know, sounded different for for its time like it it will it's so easy to fly under the radar now that you know it's hard to find something that's actually gonna catch on or get pushed and it's right. like i think there's like a good 
like there almost has to be a balance between both where it's like it has to be pushed enough to catch on you know what i mean if that makes the dynamics so much different too because back then you need either have enough money or have somebody put up money for you to record but now all of us can record full songs on our iphone so it's like there's anybody can record a song now well the biggest thing it's too it's like i could make i could make you know, I could make an EP literally tonight. I could sit here. Yeah. I could make. I could make six beats. I I could. Uh, I could have an artist come in, record six songs. I could mix it, master it, and have it on on DistroKid and on streaming services by tomorrow. Right, by you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like if, if need be, where it's like so the amount of like and and also the amount of you know, all right. Like you were saying earlier too. Like it, when you went to a hip hop show back in the day. Um, like even if we were opening up for a huge artist, like there would be a bunch of people that would be going, we'd all be going to see that big artist. And there'd be a lot of people in the crowd that would go see the artist, but there would be a good percentage of the crowd that would be from the opening acts of whoever they sold tickets to or whoever they brought or whatever, you know, that would be, you know, I want to say 60, at least 50% of the crowd, at least 50% of the crowd would be the opening acts friends right. you know you, you could pick them out because they were the ones that didn't look like they belonged in a hip-hop show a lot right. of them were or even know? then you would notice that if their friend by the time their friend got off stage half of them would gone. go outside to smoke by right. the time the next person would be going on there wouldn't be somebody watching that next set you know like right. or if which, we we're competing with like a playoff game that everybody that like only the people that like hardcore hip-hop fans didn't care but their friends did you can you could tell that sometimes you're like oh, right well. right which you could tell what there would be certain friends of theirs that would be like no i'm actually into you know seeing the next up-and-coming guy or whatever yeah. you know what i mean they wanted to see who was the opening act and you know and like the opening acts and see see who else was up next you know yep. Yep. And uh, and I think even with uh, like like we were talking about with like um, even like, um, you know, the grunge shows back in the day, I'm sure there wasn't like everybody in the crowd uh, was like, oh, I'm also in a grunge band. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, that, yeah. So, and so even that, I think with music, you, with, with, with there's music, a huge difference, right. you know, when they're half of the crowd is also an artist. Yeah. They don't give it. They don't give a shit as much or and then the people that do give a shit 10 times more than the people that don't care at all. Because you know? it doesn't cost anything to be a rapper. Because if you want to claim you're a guitarist, you at least have to buy a guitar. But if you want right. to call yourself a rapper, all you have to do is make two words rhyme. And so well, a lot, of, so it's a lot easier. People call themselves rappers when they. It's like if, if you were to spend three hundred bucks to buy a microphone to claim you're a rapper, there'd be a lot of people out there not claiming that they're rappers. Right, and even then, nowadays you can be a rapper, and all you need is a laptop. Right, or you know, and and even then, like I, th- I think there's a lot like. Um, I think there's a lot, I don't want to say there's fewer DJs. There's probably like, it's probably more DJs now, but like, but not in the traditional sense. Right. You know what I mean? Like, not like, like when you see like a DJ slip box up there, just right. Know. That that can cut and everything yeah. like that. There, there's a lot of DJs that are just making like just house music and things like that, you know? Right. So, but have software it, that already lines up the beats and it's like, you know, it, right and so like you know you're just kind of picking sounds and throwing them together but like um but um i don't think there's also like i think there's probably more producers than there was back then because there's so many more um there's so many more daws that you can use there's so many more like um i don't there's just so many places like even nowadays sometimes like when i look for a sample or something like that sometimes i just go on youtube 
and I'll just, yeah. you know, scour the internet until I find something dope. I'll download that from YouTube and then I'll sample that and chop that Me up. Yeah. To some it. degree, making beats now almost feels like a video game. Like there's been a sort of a gamification to it where it's like, it's almost like playing sideways te Tetris where you're moving, you're to some degree, you're moving blocks around to fit them into the right sequence. And I think that's something that it, the, the simplicity now, I mean, it's obviously the, the, the tools are simple, but it doesn't know it's no, it's no easier to like make a great song. So you have to have the ear and things like that. But it's it's a soothing and enjoyable process for a lot of people to do, unless you're a real artist, and then it's torturous because you can't get the snare to sound perfect, you know. Right, right. Uh, with with me, that's something that uh, kind of took me a long time to kind of learn how to balance that. Where like I I'm definitely kind of a, a perfectionist in that sense, where um you know like I'll definitely when I make a mix of something, like I used to make like thirty mixes of something. Yeah, where I would it. have like 30 different versions of the same track or whatever. And, you know, every time like I'd listen to it on the computer, I'd listen to it like, I mean, through the monitors and then I would listen to it through headphones. Then I'd listen to it in my phone. And then we'd always do the car test. We'd yeah. always hop in the car take a blunt cruise, drive around, listen to the mix and then be like, okay, this needs to get turned down. That needs to get turned yeah. up. You know, the beat needs to be higher, whatever the case may, may be for the mix. And, um, that's something that I, I learned from from years of also from just years of like mixing songs and right. things like that, too, where I've just learned to like uh, I also realized my mixes used to be garbage. Oh, like 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 only honestly, only until like I want to say like a few years ago, like my, my like I know my beats were always there. I'd always be like even when I first started uh, making beats, like I didn't have my own equipment and I didn't have my own laptop. I was poor as shit. And so like. Anytime I would ever make something, it was only when one of my other friends that had equipment would yeah, invite, you, you know, they would invite me over. I'd come over, you know, we'd smoke or whatever. And then, you know, you know, we, we'd, I, I would, um, I, I was always a kid that was really good at finding samples. I feel like I have a really good ear for it. Yeah. Always have. And like, I'll hear a song and be like, Ooh, chop that. Like I could chop that part and chop that part and chop that part. And I can make a whole, I can make a whole thing out of that yeah and i would uh, my brain just always work like that and so a lot of my friends would invite me over and i feel like they would just have me pick samples and even then i didn't know how to use like any of like the mpcs or anything like that so i'd i would have them i would be like take this part take this part take that part do this i would kind of be like almost like a like a p diddy almost like yeah. you know where everybody's like shoulder, yeah yeah everybody's just like oh he's incredible it's like he doesn't actually do anything like like nothing no actual right. he's part the of ear it. in the room he's the driver, right yeah course. like he's just more of an executive producer he hears what he knows would sound good and tells you to do that and that's basically all i knew how to do at the time because i didn't know how to program yeah. or do anything i didn't have any of my own equipment so um so i used to just get called over to like basically pick samples and stuff like that and have them program it and then then i would sit there with them and be like no play this part play this yeah. part do this put the drums here like you know things like that yeah. and so um yeah like uh that's kind of how how i how i started and just being able to like pick samples and stuff but nowadays there's just like you know like every every artist like uh, i mean every producer sells like um um uh drum kits and and stuff like that now so right like like it's just so much easier to make a beat where i can go on youtube and just look up drum kit find yeah. a dr drum kit infinite and, ones and, and just use it and it's like yeah. you know and so, so like it was not like that when i was first chopping no, up beats. Pain in the ass. 
Oh my god, I was yeah. just chopping up beats on Adobe, like so. Yeah, like and nowadays, around. like I can just like, even then, if I if I like, I mean, I have like, I have like you know my record collection over there. I have a huge record collection at home, and um, even then, it's like if if I don't feel like looking for a record, I can literally just go up and right. I, I can find something. a I can find a sample on YouTube or I can find a, a loop pack or something online and yeah, take just, that, just mess uh, like mess with it. And, the options are unlimited, man. Right. And so it's like it's so much different now. It's it's way easier. Yeah. But well, I can't yeah, wait man, to hear what you come up with next, man. Yeah, dude, I've been working on a ton of stuff. I have I have a lot of different sound and stuff too that I, I would uh, I would love to show you because I, I think yeah, you'd I be I think you'd be into it. And I'm working on some new beats now. I'm doing a song now called "You're Scaring the Ducks," which I have a little sample from Doug Benson, the uh, the stoner comedian on it that you produced. Oh, dude, I I still need to hear that. It was funny because you sent me the text yeah. and you're like I got Doug Benson on it. I go the stoner comedian. You're like, yeah. I'm like, that's fucking dope. And I was like, I I love. I mean. I love to, I've always loved to work with you, man. Like I'll, I'll forever work with you. Like you're, Appreciate fucking, it, Sam. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're truly one of my oldest friends and you know, I'm honored that you'd have me on here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored you know, you come join. I, I, I'm glad that we still work together and you know, yeah. like uh, we're, we're going to work on a, a ton of stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. You're making, already anybody, working on ton of stuff. mastering stuff, hit up Pilsy. He does a great job. So definitely hit him Thank up. You. Throw him some money. Uh, get some sickness because I don't even I won't mix my own stuff anymore. That was what I realized. Like I'm terrible at it, so I'd rather have someone like you or someone like Hush do it or someone like Skippy do it. I'm like fuck it, I can't. Well, and trying. well that that was another big thing to me. Like I was saying too. Like um, I realized for like my like I knew my beats were always good. I was always good at picking samples. Like I know like you know what drum sounds to pick and everything. Like uh, like my, my drums are on uh, like uh, like my my beats are on point now. Yeah. my my beats are on point and uh i i have no i don't second guess my my you know quality of of music but the thing is the quality of you know how it sounds to me is is so important and it's the thing that i lacked on the most yeah. so yeah. so i i took a good year of just literally just not talking to anybody sitting in front of a computer and watching tutorials and and, and meeting up with uh, with other friends of mine that are you know yeah. I'd like to think much more talented than I am. And, and they picked are, up yeah. like, like in the Bruce Lee sense, I picked up things that, that, you know, worked for me where I was like, that makes sense. And other things that I was like, I would never do that. Right. You know what I mean? Or like, um, as far as like, even um, just the way they did things too, it would just be like, I realize I just think I do things a more difficult way because I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just a difficult asshole. And I, I just all I, 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 I like things to be more difficult than than they need to be. Oh, actually, yeah. speaking of which, too. What is that? It's Bruce Lee throwing a jump kick. Oh no shit! I was looking at it like this. <laughs> so so that's uh that's actually one of his symbols. That's one of his logos. Um, I actually have a ton of Bruce Lee like clothing and stuff like that. Um, I like still support um his like his um uh his daughter and stuff like that she runs his website and so like that's Shannon, i believe her name is yeah she, yeah okay. shannon lee dude I, uh, completely random but do you remember wmac masters i don't think so it was a it was a tv show that was on back in the day it was hosted by shannon lee and um it was like it was complete like it was like almost like a sketch like a sketch martial arts show if that even i gotta look this up i never i've definitely never heard of that oh, bro it is so sick it is so dope. Like you got to check it out. 
you gotta right. check it out i'll look i'm gonna google that right after this yeah because it, it's wild but it's like almost like choreographed fight scenes and everything like that it's wild sounds but, like um, the old batman show yeah yeah it's sick it's dope. all right we're man well it's been a pleasure talking to you pillsy beats follow them everywhere you follow people and uh maybe we'll get you on again at some point to talk about some other stuff so you know, it's, yeah man uh, I, I would uh would love to be back have me cool, back man. all right well i'll talk to you soon. keep it rocking i don't give a fuck how many times you gotta do it the fact is i'm gonna get it done and i'm gonna do it right and i'm gonna have fun and i'm gonna body this motherfucking life because that motherfucking copyright and that's what i do hello soma don't mind me
trap.